Amen. Well, I think uh, hopefully this is a little bit of a teaser for those of you that weren't able to get to San Antonio to get on the website and check out those messages in their entirety. Uh, there was actually eight different conferences taking place in San Antonio at the same time, and there were over 250 messages that, or classes or lectures that took place. So there's quite a bit of uh, audio tapes, visual tapes, as you can see, to uh, really help deepen your faith on many, many levels. Amen? I know San Antonio for me personally was incredible uh, on, on just so many different fronts. We're brothers and sisters that are friends of uh, Jack and myself who we hadn't seen in some instances 10, 15 years, you know, kind of scattered with the wind in different parts of the country, different countries. And uh, just it was so amazing to be a part of. Uh, I, I think for me, you're, looking back years ago, many of you know Sherman McIntosh. Remember our old songbooks? A lot of his songs were in there. And I remember back at the Bonaventure Hotel years ago where Sherwin came on out. We had about 3,000 people in attendance. He broke us out into, you know, bass, treble, or bass, tenor, soprano, alto, all the parts, breaking out all the different songs. So it was really cool seeing him on stage directing some of them. And we had Teresa uh, singing Men Who Dream. Uh, you know, I just flashed back 20-something years with that. And then we had, you know, she was the... Uh, Abby, uh, Peter's wife, in Upside Down. So that was just incredible to hear her singing on stage. And then, obviously, our own right here, homegrown here, so to speak, uh, Dwight on stage with 18,000 people, you know, had them all up dancing and singing and praising God. And obviously, uh, our own Brian Craig. And, uh, you know, guys, I, if you don't, if you really don't, I don't think we, any of us do. I, I've got a much better view of what takes place with Brian. We are so blessed to have him as a part of this congregation. I mean, I, I got a little bit of a preview. I mean, just a gift to the kingdom. I mean, anybody calls him. If there's an issue with a worship service, it doesn't matter where it is in the country, where it is in the world, Brian's there for input or to be a part of. Uh, there's a video we'll probably be seeing here in a few weeks that he uh, uh, previewed at the uh, conference. Uh, praise heard around the world. And he actually played a few guitar licks, sent it to all these different countries, so it was in the same key, same pitch, same tempo, and then edited all these brothers and sisters from around the world into this one video that just kind of continued all the way through, flashing from place to place to place. Just absolutely amazing, but uh, very, very, very proud to be a part of what God has blessed us with here in the South Bay. Amen? Do you want to... uh, Send a little thanks to the, uh, throw a little thanks to the Atkins there too for, uh, helping Jackie and I out. They have a timeshare and they, uh, very graciously shared one of their bedrooms with us there at the conference. Just grateful to have had the opportunity to be a part of it. But getting back to what we saw on the screen, some amazing messages preached there. You know, we had Justin Renton from South Africa talking about Peter and getting, having enough faith to get out of the boat, but kind of losing sight. And I think that, that is so representative of who I can be as a Christian. You know, I, I don't know what it is. There's that initial leap that you take, and you get the adrenaline going, and it's exciting, and it's encouraging, and you get fired up, and then it's all of a sudden like, what the heck am I doing out here? And, and really understanding how important it is that we need to make sure of where our focus is, that we continue to focus on Christ, and that's who we're living our lives for. John Lusk, walking us through the attitudes and talking about the, the situation when it comes to not worrying, Matthew 6, that God's in control, that God knows what we need, 
And ultimately, what that does is it frees us up so we can advance the kingdom. And really embracing that wholeheartedly. You know, really thinking back when we first studied the Bible, and we were talked to about seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness, what that means, what that actually looks like. And I think as we sit here today in this auditorium, what does that mean for you personally today? Are you at the same place you were when you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life? You know, what does that look like? For, for those of us in the family ministry, is that your family's passion? You know, if you were to ask your kids, would they say, that's your passion? You know, singles, when you're out there in the workplace, knowing what we have through Jesus Christ, if you were to ask your coworkers, would they say that they know seeking the kingdom first and His righteousness is your passion? Or do they even know that you're a Christian? Do they even know what you stand for? Or do you get caught up in all the other things around you so that it, the lines are so blurred, if you were to tell them, they might not even believe it? You know, teens, the same thing when it comes to what goes on in the classroom, what goes on at school, what goes on after school, the people that you hang out with. Would they be able to look to you and say that, you know what, I know there's something different about that young man or that young woman. And that difference is the fact that they have a passion for God and his kingdom, and God's righteousness. You know, I need to say, Sam Powell had a little bit of a special place in my heart with the message he preached. And you know, and I, I think all of us have had some challenges through the years. And I can remember uh, as a young Christian on staff, you know, some situations with different leaders through the years. And the thing that I was always able to get solace out of, though, and I appreciate what Sam preached, is, you know what, doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what's going on, who ultimately is in control. God's in control, and that's what I was able to derive my confidence from. And then Doug Arthur, you know, some of us are starting to get a little older. I just celebrated my 54th birthday a couple days ago. Well, I want to thank all my Facebook friends for all the encouragement that came my way there on uh, Thursday and had a little birthday party last night. Uh, got a little bit more emotional than I would have preferred. Jackie decided to have the people who were there share. Uh, but uh, anyway... It, it's one of those things, as we get older, things happen, and Doug kind of talked about it. You know, we have this thing called stress in our lives. You know, throughout the Bible, that's what I like about it, is it's real, it keeps it real. We know Abraham had his issues. You know, he had a bonehead brother that was constantly getting into trouble. He had a wife that wasn't necessarily the most supportive individual on the face of the planet. Just a lot of drama, a lot of different things. And then he's got this God guy calling him to do all these crazy things. Go here, do this, do that. And, you know, looking to Abraham's disposition, the way he fared with the different challenges that came his way. You know, as we, as we age, there's these new things that start happening in our lives. We start losing family members, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, maybe brothers, sisters. And how do we fare personally when those things happen? You know, I remember a couple years back, I lost my biological mom and my adoptive dad within a few months of each other. It was just crazy how quickly all of a sudden you come to this realization, the frailty of life. You know, and Doug talked about that. I think just kind of putting that in perspective, it's, it's kind of interesting. The average male today in the United States lives to 75.2 years of age. Now, for you youngsters over here, or your younger men and women over here, Say you're a, a teen that's 17 years of age. If you live to 75.2 years, that means you've already spent 23% of your life. 
That means that you have 21,170 days left. What are you going to do with it? Now, don't feel bad because then there's an old guy like me up here who's 54. Uh, I have, what do I have? 72% of it gone as I stand before you today. From a standpoint of numerically, when it comes to days, I've got 7,665 days left. What am I going to do with it? And I think just really realizing what life is about, why we're here. You know, when it comes right down to it, who or what do we rely on during those times? You know, it's so crazy being there with all these disciples on the mountain of the Lord. You know, it's just kind of walking through a little bit of the significance as to what took place. Here's a little bit of what went on. We had over 17,000 people, 90 different churches. This is the largest event ever for the ICOC. 620 churches worldwide represented. There were 215 sermons, lessons, or presentations that took place in San Antonio. We had, again, as you can see here, about 3,000 college students, 3,000 singles, 7,000 marrieds, 2,000 teens, and 2,000 children. You know, I had the opportunity to interact with a lot of you, a lot of different people who were in attendance, a lot of my friends, and these are some of the things that were said coming off the mountain. You know, what were they saying? We love God more than ever. And you know, it's so encouraging to, to see people that you haven't been in t- contact with for years to know that it's awesome. You know, they could be, dude, you're still faithful. That's awesome. Yeah, you too. And knowing that Jesus is still Lord and Savior. Amen. You know, we love his church. We love our diversity. I mean, that's one of the things that amazed me the most the first time I came into the congregation. It wasn't a white church. It wasn't a black church. It wasn't an Asian church. I mean, you drive down the streets now and the signs out front are all in different languages. When it comes to churches, knowing that, as, as Betty stated, that Sunday still is the most segregated day of the week. But that's not the way Jesus designed the kingdom. You know, we love the lost. We want to save the poor. We believe in discipleship. We're ready to go. Amen? Please show us the way forward was one of the things I heard from a number of people. Man, come on. Let's just grab those reins, man. Go. We want to go. We want to do something. We want to have impact. We're back. As a movement, amen? I think ultimately, though, for each of us sitting here, making sure that, you know, we're willing to finish the mission moving forward. You know, we hear, I appreciate Pat and Scott being vulnerable up here this morning, sharing about, you know, their experience coming down off the mountain, and we know that Mike Tauber kind of warned us about it. Hadn't happened to me yet, I'm super grateful for that. I'm sure my upcomings will happen here at some point, but just, I think, keeping this all in mind. You know, there's another instance in Matthew 8 where Jesus came down off the mountain. This is one of the things I love about Jesus. You know, he started, he started out by reaching out to a leper that wanted to be healed. And knowing that that's what Jesus came for, to preach the word, to talk about the kingdom, to usher it in, and to heal all of us. Forward. We can see on the screen here, we need to make sure that what we signed up for when we became Christians is what we're still about today. What is our purpose? What is purpose? Well, one of the definitions here, it's the reason for which something exists or is done, made, used, etc. It's an intended or desired result, an end aim or goal. Now, there's a couple of different things that are going on right now. We've got the Olympics coming up, right? Why do people go to the Olympics? What's the purpose? To compete. I mean, why is Phelps back out there swimming again? You know, just for the heck of it? 
probably wants to set a few more world records and take home what? A little bit more gold. That's his purpose. That's his motivation. You know, you got a job. What's the purpose behind the job? Yeah, you got bills to pay, man. There's things that you want, things you want to do. You have a job to make things work. You need that stuff, that cash, the Skrilla, the dinero, whatever you call it. In order to take care of... What was that? That's right, I'm 54 and I'm proud of it. Thank you. I didn't know Skrilla was an old term, man. That's something from Geo Garces. Anyway. But you know, I was just thinking through this. When you go to college... Why do you go to college? To get a degree so you can do what? Get a better job so you can make more what? Money. That's the purpose behind it. Son of God! What was his purpose? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then there's this thing called, what's up there on the screen now? What's a Christian's purpose? Sometimes that gets a little bit murkier, right? Sometimes we lose sight of what Jesus came for. And, you know, even the, even the terminology, Christian, well, what's the next thing on the screen? And just thinking that through, well, what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. We're like the apprentice. He's the journeyman. He's modeled for us what we're called to do. And is that what we're about? Is that truly what we're about? Is that our purpose to seek and save the lost? One of my favorite messages out of the event that day, or out of that week, was actually Mike Tolliver's close. I got a couple, just a couple passages I want to share with you uh, this morning. Matthew 22, verse 34. Getting us back to what our purpose is. It's simple. It's basic. Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this thing that I love about God and I love about Christ, it isn't some big old hairy mystery. It's pretty darn basic. It's pretty darn easy. And we look at this passage, when we love God and we love others, Jesus says, what? Guess what? The rest of our Christian lives fall into place. The greatest and the second most. These things is what it's about. So, you know, if we're experiencing challenges in our life, lack of peace, stress, we need to ask ourselves if we're prioritizing properly. And this is one of the things, you know, again, Pat shared about today. Satan's great with the distractions. You may even get up with the greatest of attentions in the morning. You know, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe your child wakes up a little bit earlier and needs some help. Or if you're like us, we've got a young puppy that kind of drives me nuts every once in a while. It's like having another kid. And before you know it, the morning's gone. And so is that time with God. How important is it that we maintain that focus? That we, uh, somebody shared it up here. I think it was Betty that shared it. The whole thing with, with water. I mean, you know, you drank water last week. Well, is that enough for you now? A week later? And sometimes we, we treat God that way when it comes to our relationship with Him. Matthew 28, verse 16. says, And the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, it's really amazing. After Jesus gave his guys this charge, we've got this incredible book, the book of Acts, that took place shortly after this. And it just gives us such an incredible overview of the church and discipleship and fellowship and relationships and the things that we needed to be devoted to. And we look at what those early disciples did. You know, with what Jesus established, it wasn't a matter of going out and making a believer or a church attender or someone who agrees, but it was a matter of going out and making disciples to reach out and help make a real difference. Reach out, help, walk with, teach, support, encourage, be there, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is that's going on, that we're in our lives, each other's lives that way. You know, I think it's time for a little family talk here and that we need to evaluate where we are at and where we are going. You know, with all the different things that take place in the world, the means of reacting to it isn't a matter of sticking our heads in the sand. I think in some ways we've lost Christ's purpose. I think we need to we need to face it. Something we need to admit to, and something we need to change. In a lot of ways, we've lost the passion of evangelism over the last few years. And I think you know this is a fair statement. This is something that Mike said on Sunday last week, and that's that some of us are comfortable not sharing our faith. And I'm going to take it a step further. We're not comfortable sharing our faith and our lives. You know, and this is, again, what I appreciate about the kingdom is vulnerability. People being real, there's no pretension. You know, I, I, I listened to, to Pat and Scott this morning, and it reminds me so many times, even as a young Christian coming into the kingdom, hearing people being real about their lives, real about what's going on, but knowing that they're doing it with God. And that's the thing that gives us the ability to be victorious when all these different challenges can come our way. You know, in light of these things, this morning... What is it we're going to do different for the remainder of the year, the remainder of our lives as Christians? Not knowing, guys, life is brief. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and we need to have that purpose. We need to have Christ's heart. Now, we love to see the lost get saved, right? You know, I know we don't have everybody here today with preteen camp and whatnot, but can I get those of you that have been brought to Christ this last year to stand up? As the teens are a little bashful over here, it took a little bit longer. You know, and isn't it awesome to be able to welcome people into God's kingdom? Isn't this something that when we're in that battle, when we're studying the Bible, and we know that Satan's trying to take him down, and it might be through family members, it might be through any assortment of things and issues and challenges, when you have the opportunity to hear them say, Jesus is Lord. Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that exciting to, to see them giving their life to God, giving their life to Christ, and knowing that they're going to turn around and do the same thing for someone else? But again, take a look around at this group. Go ahead. Take a look around. We have a handful of people stand up. and There's, there's some others that I know that aren't here. Thank you, Dean, for the demo. 
But I, I think with that, guys, don't you think we're capable of really having a much greater impact than that? Not to negate what's taking place, but are we capable of having a much greater impact than that? We know that Jesus did and still does. We love to see the lost get saved, but we have a problem with the seeking part. We don't love the seeking part. Why? A little uncomfortable sometimes. People maybe, you know, aren't receptive. One of the brothers was preaching it earlier. You know, how many times do you have to get out there and go after before you even run into somebody that's even uh, has a semblance of being open? And then there's those other instances where somebody's been praying, man, I wish somebody would have come to me years ago. I've been praying for a church like this. I've been praying for someone to help me understand the Bible, just like the Ethiopian eunuch. But we've we got to get to the point where we don't have a problem with the seeking part. Because how many of you are here because... Someone else had a problem with the seeking part and they didn't open their mouths. We're here because someone was willing to open their mouths and show us and share with us not only the gospel, but their lives as well. Amen? You know, it's one of the things I really appreciate about Ken Chow. You know, what he has done in so many different fronts, whether it was in the mission field or even looking back the last few years and his transition back into the secular world, you know, new job, new baby. You know, and the thing that really fires me up about Ken is Ken doesn't have to be overseas to see today that people here are helpless and harassed. He hasn't lost sight of his purpose. Every time I'm out with him, there's an invitation to somebody. There's sharing with somebody, which is awesome. You know, I appreciate Andre and Maria Costa. Last night, we had a birthday party, and they showed up before everybody else came in and said hello real quick. It's like, bro, you know, we're, we're really sorry, man. I, we we got to cut out. You know why they had to cut out? There was a family next door that was throwing a party in their neighborhood. And they thought it was super important to be there to give these individuals the opportunity to be ushered into the kingdom, to go after that relationship. I I think that's awesome. And then on top of that, after they were done partying there, they came back over to mine. I mean, what an awesome couple, amen? I think the thing that we've got to really take to heart here is some... Some of us, you know, actually, I want to expand on that. Most of us would probably, at one point in time or another, help someone into the kingdom, right? We need to understand something here. We meet needs within this church. Marrieds, you get help with your marriages? You get help with your kids? For those of you that have got them, singles? You get help with the issues you've got in your lives, in the workplace, dating? You know, when it comes to our teens, do they get help? From a standpoint, other men and women that are willing to mentor and help them understand God. I mean, our teen camps, our youth brigades, all the different things that we've got going on out there. You know, I think sometimes one of the biggest challenges we have as a church is we get awfully self-focused. What about me? What about this? What about that? And I think it ties back into what John Lusk was talking about. God knows what we need. And he, he knows what we've got to give. And we've got to get that back on a heart level, that we're willing to go out there and make that difference. You know, many of you have heard this. There's a, star, a story about this little girl on the seashore. And there's just thousands of starfish. You know, the tide had come out, and she's walking along the seashore, and she's picking them up, and she's throwing them back into the water, and she's picking them up and throwing them back into the water. And this older gentleman walks along, and comes up to her and he asks her, he goes, well, what what are you doing? So, well, these starfish, they're going to die. So I'm throwing them back in the water. And he he says to her, he goes, well, there's thousands of them. 
How can you make a difference? She goes back over. She picks up another one, throws it in the water. Says, you know what? I made a difference with that one. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the fact, why not just one disciple? And there's all these people that have yet to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. What can I do? Well, this, is, this is something that Mike said on Sunday. He says, if I had an answer for you as to what you can do, would you repent? His next question was, if I had a reasonable plan, would you follow it? You know, when he, when he threw those things out there, it was convicting. It pricked my heart. Just from a standpoint of opportunities that I've missed. You know, and he went on, he says, if all 100,000 disciples that we have in our church made one disciple and turned and made one more disciple in the next three years, by 2022, there'd be over a million disciples out there turning and giving others that same opportunity. And I think with that, we've got to recapture the purpose of Jesus. My challenge is to walk off this mountain with purpose and show God we are a movement that's still willing to move. You know, when thousands decide not to share their faith, millions perish. And again, we've got to get back to this understanding that there's so much more than attending services. We are here for a purpose. And we're not promised tomorrow. James 4.14 says, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, some of us, that, that spray might last a little bit longer than others. But, you know, we, we've seen it. We've heard it. I, I can't believe all the guys that I've heard about recently that are in their 50s or 40s that have died. Uh, there's a gentleman I sold a, a Hummer two years ago, Michael Clark Duncan, 52 years old, had a major heart attack a couple days ago. It hadn't been for his girlfriend who resuscitated him. He would have died. We're not promised tomorrow. So I think with that, we need to make sure that we're willing to recapture the purpose of Jesus Christ. So if we really understand the grace of the gospel and what it looks like and God's generosity towards us, it'll lead us to that, gen- that radical generosity that will give us the opportunity to give it to someone else. I want to close here in Romans 8. I think this is something that Paul really understood. Romans 8, verse 35. <clears throat> It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And Paul had experienced all these things in all of his missionary journeys. And the thing that he strove for was to achieve the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, Paul kept his eye on the prize. And that's what we need to do. It continues, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul understood that. What God does for us, if we're willing to look to him. We are more than conquerors. And see, Paul achieved perfection right around 67 AD. He was beheaded for his love for God by the Romans. 
You know, when we think about those that have gone ahead of us, for those that have actually helped usher us into the kingdom, we need to remember that we always think back to what Jesus Christ has done for us personally. And as we leave here today, the thing that I want to encourage you is that this is your prayer and these are your actions moving forward. That Jesus, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. To God be the glory. Amen.